It's good to see you all out with us this morning. I appreciate the time of worship we've already had. I appreciate the songs that we just sang and the thought-provoking nature of them. We've lost a brother recently, and all of us have experienced close friends and family members that have died, and the comfort that we can have in the Lord is powerful. I appreciate Brad giving us a chance to think about that this morning. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, we're going to read in just a moment a parallel passage of what was read for us just a moment ago in the Gospel of Luke. As Jesus has a very important, relatively brief, but incredibly impactful conversation with one of his closest apostles, Peter, he asks Peter two questions in this conversation both of which are extremely important, but we're going to spend just a little bit of time thinking about how different the two questions are and how different the two answers to these questions are. So let's begin by reading this together in Matthew chapter 16. Hopefully you're there by now. We're going to begin in verse number 13, and we're going to read down through verse 20. Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. So the first question that Jesus poses to his disciples in this conversation. Who do men say that I am? Looking at his disciples, who do they out there, who do they say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And they provide Jesus with some answers of what others think of him, what others are saying about Jesus. Some say that he's John the Baptist. Some say that he's Elijah. Some say that he's Jeremiah. Some say that he's just one of the prophets that has come back from the dead. There's a variety of different answers and responses to the question of who do men say that I am? And when you think about Jesus and the impact that he has had at this point in his ministry, the question of who do men say that he is, is dominating the discussion right now. Because here is a man who has come onto the scene claiming to be the Son of God, 
claiming to be the Messiah that the Jews have been waiting for for generations. And he is teaching with authority. At a young age, 12 years old, he sat in the temple and he taught those who had been studying the scriptures all their lives. Who is this guy is what was on the tongues of everyone at this point. And so it's not surprising that they had a variety of different answers. But here's the interesting thing to this question. This question that Jesus, uh, that Jesus asks. I would suggest that the exact same question could be asked today. The exact same question. I could ask you that exact same question today. Who do they say that Jesus is? And you would have a variety of different answers for me. Some today still say that he's just a fictional character. That it's a great story, but that it's just that, a story. Some will lump him in with other great philosophers of ancient times. Yeah, he was a real person, and he had a lot of good things to say, but that's, that's what he was. he was. He was a great philosopher of his day. Some even today will still claim that Jesus was just one of the prophets, that they will lump him in with all of the other prophets that we read about. Others will still today call him a fraud. That he was a trickster. They will say that he was a good guy. He had good things to say. But throughout time, he has simply been mythologized. He has become something more than he was ever really intended to be. Some will call him a giver of admirable moral principles. That you can read through the Gospels and you can read what Jesus says. And he had a lot of good things to say. Actually, he had words to live by. He he had some very profound things to offer. But that's all that it really was. They're moral principles that still hold some merit today. But perhaps, maybe even above all of those Some still today say, I don't know who he was. I I don't know. I'm completely agnostic. I I have no idea. I'm willing to entertain the idea that maybe he was was divine in some nature. Maybe not. I just, I don't know. Perhaps the worst answer of all is the person who will simply say, I just don't care. Don't, don't waste my time with this. I've got more important things to deal with. You guys can have your religion. You can have your Bible. That's fine. But I just don't care. See, the same conversation is still being had today. The same conversation that Jesus brings up to his disciples, literally as he's walking the earth doing all of these things, there's people speculating right and left about who he is. 2,000 years later, there's still people speculating right and left about who that guy was. What was he all about? Is there any significance to any of the things that he says? Who do they say 
that I am. Well, you can probably see where this is going. Because the next question that Jesus asks is really the question that he wanted to ask. Because we can sit in here today and we can talk about what do they say about Jesus. Who do they claim that he was? But at the end of the day, that's not really the question Jesus wants us answering. There's very limited value in that. If the conversation hasn't changed in 2,000 years, that conversation is going to persist. The real question that he wants to ask and the real question that he wants each of us to answer today is who do you say that I am? You see, that's, that's the real question that Jesus wants us to wrestle with. Not what they say, but what do you say? Now, before you check out on me this morning and you say, well, listen, I know, I believe Jesus to be the Son of God. I, I believe that, so I can answer this question pretty quickly. I don't have any problem answering this question, that Jesus is the Messiah. He was sent by God for the salvation of man. He has risen from the dead and sits at the right hand of God. I believe that. Okay, hang with me for just a second. Because so did Peter. Remember, who's he asking the question to? He's asking the question to his disciples. Who do you say that I am? These are the people who have given up everything to follow him. These are the people who have seen all of the miracles performed. These are the people who gave up their livelihood to follow Jesus. So why is he looking at them and saying, so who do you say that I am? They knew who he was. But as we know about our Messiah, he is the master teacher. And one of the things that Jesus recognized is just how important it is to give voice to what we intellectually know. Because it forces us to think deeper. And it forces us to think more intently about what we truly believe. So I appreciate the fact that I am here with probably a large majority of people who have no problem answering this question. But I want to suggest to you that we need to answer this question regularly. And Jesus asking this question to his disciples should be a clear indication of just how important it is to ask ourselves this question from time to time. Here's what Peter had seen and understood and knew about Jesus. Peter and the rest of the disciples, he knew and understood that Jesus was the one who was with God when the world was created. They knew and understood that he fulfilled every prophecy regarding the coming Messiah. They had seen him teach with authority and understanding 
that far surpassed anyone else. They knew that he was the one who calmed the storms that Andrew referenced just a moment ago with just a word. They were the ones who saw him walk on water. They were the ones who saw him look over a crowd of people and have compassion on them. Because they were lost like sheep without a shepherd. They had seen Jesus stoop down and embrace young children and talk to them. Take time out of his day to cry with friends. To grieve with others when their brother died. They had seen him bring a grieving mother's son back to life. They watched as he healed countless people of leprosy, paralysis, fever, demon possession, blindness, epilepsy, and the list goes on. They saw this man Jesus eat and talk with and spend time with tax collectors and prostitutes and Jews and Samaritans and Gentiles alike. They saw him feed thousands of hungry people simply because they were hungry. They knew him to be one who would sacrifice sleep to spend time in prayer. He was the one who, when he got news of his cousin, John the Baptist, being beheaded, he sought some time alone to grieve, but then crowds found him. And instead of pushing them away, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. His disciples knew that he was the one who gave and gave and gave of himself. And not long from now, they would watch him give and give and give until he had nothing left, and so he gives himself. The people that he was talking to in Matthew 16 knew these things about Jesus. They had seen them with their own eyes. They had been there and experienced it for themselves. And yet Jesus felt it necessary to ask them, who do you say that I am? And the reason, the reason that it was so important and so necessary for Jesus to ask that question and for Peter in particular in this situation to vocalize that response is because of the consequences of his answer. We read just a moment ago, beginning in verse number 17, after Peter answers that question in verse 16, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Why is it so important for us to answer this question? Because it is the foundation of the Lord's kingdom. It is the foundation of your faith. It is the foundation of your hope. It is the foundation of your peace that we talked about just a moment ago. It is everything. So I don't care how many times you've answered this question. (laughs) Answer it again. And again. And again. 
and again because everything that we hold fast to, everything that we believe in, everything that we hope for rests on the answer to that question. Now, I don't know how much of that Peter understood at this time. I don't don't know all of what must have been going through his mind. But we can see the role that Peter is going to play in the weeks and months and years to come. He may not have understood it all in Matthew chapter 16. But this is a man who understood as time went on just how important this question was. And so I want to ask all of us the question this morning, who do you say that he is? Who do you say that Jesus, the Son of Man, is? In just a moment, we're going we're gonna to stand to sing an invitation song. Not yet, but in just a moment, we're going to stand to sing an invitation song. And as we're singing that song, I want all of us to internally be giving this question some thought. Who do I say that Jesus is? Because the answer to that question comes with consequences. Look with me further down in Matthew chapter 16. Let's read together verses 24 through 28. And let's see if there's a connection to be made to the answer that we may give to this question. Beginning in verse number 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I want all of us to answer this question, but I want all of us to give some thought to what comes with answering this question. Jesus makes the point, and not just here in Matthew 16, he makes the point in other places. Uh, The the gospel writers, the, the writers of the epistles and so on will continue to make this point, that if you answer this question, that I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He is the Messiah and the Savior. If you answer the question that way, understand, understand what Jesus says in the passage that we just read. That if you're going to choose to follow him, then it's time to take up your cross. 
If you're going to choose to believe in he in the fact that he is the Messiah, then you're going to have to leave your old life behind. That there are changes that are going to come with that. Don't expect to say that Jesus is the Christ and things to go on just as they've always been. But understanding the challenges that come, understanding the pain and suffering that may come, understanding the rejection that may be experienced, Jesus also reminds us that he is rewarding those who choose to follow him. That there is a reward waiting for those who will think seriously about that question and day in and day out answer it truthfully that Jesus is the Son of God. He is my Savior. And so daily I will remind myself that I am not the person that I used to be. And I don't live the life that I used to live. I don't do the things that I used to do. Because I'm choosing to take up my cross and to follow him. And in doing so, I have great confidence in what waits for me. There's a great example of this in Acts chapter 8. As Philip there approaches the Ethiopian eunuch, as he is riding in his chariot and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah and Philip is sent to him to teach him about what he is reading. And we're told as he approaches him, he reads from the book of Isaiah. And then in verse number 35, he opens his mouth and preaches Jesus to him. And as he does so, the eunuch asks him, they come up on water, and he said, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? And what's the question that Philip asks? If you believe with all your heart, you may. Who do you say that he is? That's the question that Philip is asking. Who do you say that he is? You need to be able to verbalize that. You need to come to terms with that. And you need to understand what your answer to that question means. And the Ethiopian eunuch answers, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So Philip stops the chariot and he takes him down and he baptizes him. This is an incredibly important question. It's an incredibly important question to ask if you've never become a child of God. And it's an incredibly important question if you've been a child of God for 50 years. We need to give serious consideration to this question daily. I came across a quote from a book called Mere Christianity, which I know many of you have read, written by C.S. Lewis. And I really appreciated the words that he gave to this thought. So I wanted to share them with you this morning as we draw this to a close. I don't know if you can see that on the screen behind me, but I'm going to read it if you can't. 
This comes from a section in his book called What Christians Believe. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. I think one of the things that this shines a spotlight on is the polarizing nature of Jesus. Jesus has been, will be, continue to be a polarizing person. He's polarizing because he forces all of us to give an answer to this question. He leaves us no choice but to answer that question. It's all right here. You got to answer the question, who is he? And it's not a question that we just answer when we make our confession prior to being baptized. But it's a question that we all must answer each day because it impacts the decisions that we make. It impacts the relationships that we have. Because remember, as Jesus points out to Peter, it is the very foundation of who we are. So if you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, if you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, who do you say that he is? Answer that question for yourself this morning. And if you answer that question, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and I have sinned, and I understand what that has done to my relationship with God, and it's time to do something about that. If you are a Christian... I want to ask you when the last time you thought about this question was. When's the last time you, in a moment of privacy, answered this question for yourself? And has your answer to that question been framing the way that you live your life? Has your answer to that question been influencing the decisions that you make? If by giving that some thought, you realize that intellectually, you may give the right answer, but it doesn't take much to see that you're not living a life that reflects that answer, then thanks be to God that he has been patient and long-suffering and ready to welcome you back as you calibrate your answer in a way that glorifies him and brings you closer to him. 
you're here this morning and we can help you in any way, please come to the front and let us know as we stand and as we sing.